Morning, Crossroads. Great to see everybody. It's a great, great day. Actually, I, I'm, I'm actually even more excited about next week because uh, clocks go back and we get an extra hour of sleep. So, amen. <laughs> actually, what I'd really like is to stay on daylight savings time so that the sun doesn't set before I get out, off of work, but that's another matter. Um, but the, even the better thing about next Sunday is baptisms, and uh, you already heard about it, but you know, if you have given your life to Christ and have not yet been baptized, it's one of the things that Jesus says that we, we, we should do as uh, both for ourselves as well as for those around us. It's our public confession of Christ. There's also something very special about baptism that uh, where, where God um, disciples us, changes us. Uh, it doesn't save us, um, but it's, it's a, a choice that God uses to grow us and bless us. And so if you have not been baptized, uh, I encourage you to sign up. You can do that online uh, or on your Connect card. So that's next Sunday, both services. Well, as we move into our, our, the third message in the series on building blocks, Habits for a Meaningful Life. The one we're going to talk about today is a habit that can, can actually change any circumstance in your life for the better. Whether it's a, a, a great something you're going through or a very difficult something you're going through, this habit can make both of those better. It's also, on one level, the easiest of all the habits. Uh, so, and what is that? It is the habit of prayer. It's building your life on prayer. You know, unfortunately, prayer is often forgotten or overlooked in, uh, in life. In fact, probably most people would say prayer is important, but then don't really practice it very much. Or they practice it in emergencies or before they eat. Um, but prayer is meant to be so much more than that. And so, so today, I want to sort of recapture for us the simplicity of prayer plus its power and its uh, ability to heal and draw us closer to God. And so to do that, I want to answer three basic questions about prayer. And you'll find that in your, in your bulletin, the notes there in your bulletin. And the first question is this, does prayer work? Right? That's the question, does prayer really work? And I even gave you the answer there. Yes, more than you imagine. More than you imagine. Um, and, you know, the, the, this whole issue of does prayer work? Um, you know, we're, later we're going to talk about when prayers don't seem to work. But I want to share with you in my life some of the times when I've seen prayer work in truly miraculous ways. Um, and I, I know, for me, it's firsthand because I was there, I experienced it. For you, it's secondhand, but just as an encouragement and to know where I'm coming from as well. Um, years ago, a friend was going, had, was diagnosed with cancer. It was fairly advanced. They weren't sure if they'd be able to get it, but they knew they'd have to go through several rounds of, 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 of therapy, chemo and radiation, etc. And so, um, he had gone through the first, uh, the first chemo round and uh, they, they, they did a test to see where he was. And then before his next round, they gave him one more test. And when that test came, came back, well, in, the, in between, 
some of us got together and we prayed over him asking for complete healing and for the eradication of every cancer cell from his body. And at that next appointment to see exactly how to go about and the strength of the chemo and all that kind of good stuff, it's like, um, we can't find any cancer. I mean, it was, it was gone. They thought maybe there was a problem with the, the, the machine malfunctioned. But his cancer was completely gone and they had no explanation for it. It was the power of prayer. Or um, another time, a couple had been trying to have a baby for almost two years. Very frustrated. They, they finally decided, they, they, they started going to a doctor and were getting all the tests done, etc., etc., before they got treatments. And, and sort of their last ditch effort, they came forward at church and asked for prayer that they would get pregnant. And so I prayed with them and prayed that they would get pregnant in that next month before they started getting treatments. And, uh, and three weeks later, they came in, Pastor Jerry, guess what? They were pregnant. Um, or the time when a woman came forward at church and asked for prayer for her friend. Her friend had had a history of depression, but for the last month, she'd just been sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into her depression, and she was afraid that she was going to commit suicide. And so we prayed for her, her, her friend and prayed that, that, that God would lift her depression and give her a new sense of who she was and her identity and her value. And uh, the next day, the next Monday, or the following day on Monday, I get a call from the woman that, uh, th- that I prayed with. She said, I talked to my friend and guess what? Her depression lifted and I asked her when. She said it was yesterday. And the, the time was the, to the minute, the exact time that the woman had come up to ask for prayer for her friend. I mean, the exact minute. That's not coincidence. And that's not the way depression works either. That was God. Um, two more. I know I've got, I'm taking up too much time with this, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, in my own life, uh, I had left one job. I had a few months of severance pay. And so as I was getting to the end of that, I, I'd been looking for a job and I had a specific idea of, of where I felt God was calling me at, at that point in life and nothing was coming, nothing was happening. So toward the end of that time, I, I interviewed for the couple other jobs that weren't what I wanted. They were like second best, but they'd be a paycheck for my family. One week before the severance package ran out, I was just about to say yes to another job when I get this call, totally unsolicited, saying, hey, we heard that you're available and we have this position for you. And it's like, it was the exact thing that I've been looking for, that I felt God It'd be awesome if God would provide this, and that was exactly what happened. I think I went like a week or two without a paycheck, but we survived. I'm still here. But God came through exactly when I needed him, not before and not after. It was incredible. And then finally, um, one more experience. This was in a hospital I was with a family, um, and their, their father was in the hospital. He was in his 80s. He had been in a coma. And they were trying to bring him out of the coma, and uh, nothing that they were doing was working. And so I was in there, in, in the room with, with the family and with the doctor, and we were talking. And I said, you know, let, let, me do, let me just pray. And so I prayed, and I prayed that he would come out of the coma so he could talk to his family at least one more time. 
So we, we prayed, and then, you know, I'm just talking to the family, the doctor, sort of comforting, encouraging, and suddenly we get this, um, th- this voice, who's there? And it's the dad, the grandfather, just woken up, and he got to talk to his family. The doctor was there going, I don't know what just happened. Um, he wasn't a man of faith, but he realized, you know, I think uh, the prayer worked. You know, God answers prayer in amazing ways. There is true power in prayer. And, and as, as I think about does prayer work, and, and more than you can imagine, um, I want us, I mean, obviously the Bible in a lot of places says you should pray, right? I mean, in fact, in your bulletin, you'll have this thing called the weekly prayer calendar. And I'll talk about this in just a minute. But the topic gives a verse and it says from Isaiah, Isaiah, Ephesians 6. And it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a command and encouragement for God to pray. But actually, rather than looking at a command of God, I want to look at a story in scripture that sort of gets us at the truth of what prayer is all about. And it comes from the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. Moses had just freed the people of Israel from slavery, slavery in Egypt by the power of God. God had used him to do that. And they were now going through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And there were some people on the way that they had to meet. And, and one of them was this group called the Amalekites, and they were not exactly welcoming to Israel. And so they had a battle, the Amalekites and the Israelites. And so here we are, Exodus chapter 17, verse 11. The battle is raging. Down below in the valley, you've got the soldiers, and they're fighting. And up on the hill, you have Moses. And on either side of him is Aaron and Hur, the three leaders of Israel. And then you have the army down below. And it says this, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And by the way, in his hands was the staff of God that God had given him at the burning bush. And, uh, and so, isn't that interesting? As long as he had his hands up toward God, Israel was winning the battle. When he brought his hands down, Israel began to lose the battle. Now, if you are a soldier down in the valley fighting that battle, what do you think is going to determine the outcome of that battle? It's the strength of my arm. It's my skill. It's my, you know, my fellow soldiers, how well we work together, our strategy. The, the, the battle's going to be decided down here in the valley. That's what you're thinking as a soldier. Not having any clue that actually it's being determined by whether Moses has his arms up toward God or down. And another interesting picture is, because his arms kept getting tired, so it says... Aaron and her on either side had him sit on a rock and they held up his arms. So it would stay up. But the idea is that as he lifted his hands toward God, the posture of prayer, that determined the outcome of the battle. That's a picture of the power of prayer that is outside of our normal earthly way of thinking about things, right? 
normally you and I think my life is going to be better based on if I do the right things, my skill, my perseverance, my success, my whatever. But God says that's only part of the picture. In fact, actually, two verses later it says this. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Okay, hold on. Didn't they just say it was based on Moses having his arms up toward God? Now they're saying that Joshua won the battle by the sword, which is true. Both are true. If there had been no soldiers down in the valley and Moses was just there holding up his hands, they would not have won the battle. You need to have soldiers. But if they're just soldiers and no prayer on top of the mountain, they would have lost. That's one of the realities of prayer is that prayer is not an either or. It's a both and. For example, if you get sick, you don't say, well, hmm, should I see the doctor? Should I pray about it? You should go see the doctor and you should pray about it. You, you do both. If you're having financial trouble, you don't say, well, hmm, should I be more responsible for my money? Or should I just pray about it? Right? It's both. I should pray about my finances. I should also make good choices and budget and, and pull back on some of the things I'm spending that I don't need to and look for maybe other sources of income. In other words, it's a both and. It's not either or. Either or leaves you poorer in almost every way in life. Not just poorer financially, but poorer in every way. In this life, it's prayer and action. It is heavenly power and earthly power that work together. Because God is active on the earth. He created the earth. He continues to be active. He created each of us and is active in our lives. And he's looking to work in our lives as we live fully depending upon him as we live fully depending upon him. So I live and his power works through me as well. And, and this whole idea of, you know, prayer and action working together, there, there's a word for that. And, and so the bullet point in your, in your notes is this. There is partnership between heaven and earth. There's partnership between heaven and earth. And you are the focal point of that partnership. You are the focal point of the partnership that God wants between heaven and earth. Now, obviously, heaven, earth, definitely separated, but yet God doesn't just stay up in heaven and say, hmm, look down and see what's going on and say, I wish them well. God is active. He is at work. The question is, are we willing to see it and are we willing to be a part of what God is doing on the earth? I'm going to read a, a verse for you from Ezekiel, which is very powerful and very convicting for me personally. Ezekiel was a prophet to Israel. And there was a time when Israel had really left the path of God. They were doing all sorts of things that they shouldn't. And so God was about to bring judgment upon Israel. And, but, he could possibly spare them judgment. But it says this, 
This is God speaking through, through Ezekiel. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. The picture here is of defending something and there's a wall and he's saying I was looking for someone to build up the wall and stand in the gap where the wall was still broken. Stand in the gap on behalf of the land, which means the people of Israel, before God and say, God, please have mercy on my people. Please have mercy on my nation. Don't bring the judgment that we deserve. And God says, no one stood in that gap to pray on behalf of the people, on behalf of the nation. And the next verse says, and God said, therefore, I brought judgment upon Israel. No one to stand in the gap and ask for mercy. You see, you and I, in various parts of life, we're the ones that are called to stand in the gap on behalf of others in need, in need of God's mercy and not his judgment. Now, it's important to to realize here, the power of prayer is never, I'm changing God's mind, If I do prayer right, God will do something that he wouldn't do normally because God will never do anything that is outside of his character or his will. But here's the important thing with prayer. Often, God can do more than one thing. If you're a parent, you probably had a child who misbehaved, except me, my child is perfect. But... um, You have a child, they're going to do stuff that's wrong, and you've got to decide in that moment, mercy or justice, right? And guess what? Sometimes you decide justice, and sometimes you decide mercy, and sometimes you try to figure out a, a mixture between the two. But sometimes we do punish our children. Sometimes they don't get a punishment. Now, now does that mean that, that one parent is good and one is bad? No. A good parent will go to either side depending on the situation. God is the same way. God is a God of justice and holiness and perfection. He is also the God of love and grace and mercy. And so God, in lots of situations in this world, can choose mercy side, justice side. The truth is, sometimes we need a little more justice. Sometimes we need a little more mercy. And so God says to us, sometimes I'm going to wait and see if somebody's willing to stand in the gap. Not to change God's mind, but to influence which direction he's going to go. You see this on a number of occasions. You see Jesus standing in the gap on behalf of the the men who crucified him by saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. That was Jesus standing in the gap on behalf of those men. We see it in the Old Testament, in Moses standing on behalf of the people when they, when they were sinning, God said, whoa, whoa, Lord, please forgive your people. All through Scripture, we see that happening. God gives us the privilege of being a partner with him in determining what's going to happen in the world around us. And here it says, God looked for just one person. How many does it need? I don't know, but here it was just one person needed. 
do you realize the power of the partnership that God wants with you? You don't have to be super spiritual. Any child of God, in fact, not any, but every child of God should be in partnership with God in prayer. It's what He desires of us. It's this amazing privilege and responsibility. And in fact, thinking of that partnership, that's why I actually put this weekly prayer calendar in your bulletin for you today. It's a weekly prayer calendar because it has, starting today, Sunday, it has topics to pray for each day of the week. Ways to stand in the gap on behalf of the church, your family, your work, our nation, various and sundry kinds of people, our children, etc. I encourage you to take this and put it somewhere where you'll see. You may not yet have the habit of prayer in your life, and I hope that this will help you begin to have that habit of partnering with God in terms of what happens in the world. So when we think about this, the power of prayer, the partnership we have with God, the next question I have for us is, does prayer always work? Does prayer always work? And and the answer is, it depends on your why. Why are you praying? How do you even measure whether prayer works? And that depends on the why, the purpose of your prayer. So does prayer always work? It depends on your why. So think about it this way. I prayed for that one friend to be free of cancer and God answered in a miraculous way. But I have prayed for other friends with cancer and God has not healed them. Does that mean prayer doesn't work? No, it doesn't. You know, one of the truths about prayer is this. Prayer is such a powerful gift that God cannot simply say yes to every request that we may give. At the end of the first service, somebody came out and said, oh man, you know, uh, Bruce Almighty, there's a, a movie about Bruce Almighty about God gave this guy the power to answer prayers and he just said yes to all of them. And what happens in the movie is chaos everywhere in the world when everybody got everything they wanted, no matter how selfish the prayer was. Prayer is too powerful, God, to simply grant us, to grant me, with my limited wisdom and understanding, everything I pray for. But I want to read something the Apostle John says. John was the disciple that was closest to Jesus. At the Last Supper, he was the one who they reclined, and he was the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest. He was the closest disciple, often described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he said this in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, but if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. Now, how often can we trust God to forgive us? Sometimes, most of the time, when God's in a good mood, always we can always he can always be trusted to forgive us this is a prayer that always works 
to confess our sins. Lord, I know that I have done that which is not right. I've blown it. I've hurt this person. I was selfish in this way. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I trust in Christ's death on the cross to be the, 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 the payment for my sin. So Lord, forgive me. I don't actually have to wonder whether God's going to answer that question or not. Whether he's going to answer that prayer. Whether it's going to come true. Because I know I have a promise that every single time I ask for forgiveness and trust in God's provision, I will be forgiven. It is an absolute. It works because prayer is not about us getting whatever we want. Prayer is about our relationship with God. Prayer is the foundation of our relationship with God. How do you begin a relationship with God? You confess your sins, you ask God to come into your life. Well, what is that called when you talk to God? Prayer, right? So if I, ask, if, if I say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I want purpose in my life. I need a new start. Those are all prayers to God. That's the foundation of prayer, is a relationship with God. And so, well, the, the next verse in your outline is James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. This is written by the brother of Jesus, James, who actually didn't really believe in Jesus as the Messiah until after the resurrection, as his brother, which is sort of an interesting dynamic. My brother is the Messiah, the Son of God. Interesting. Uh, but he, he, he came to believe, and he wrote this in, in the letter he wrote to the church. He said, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get, get it because your motives are all wrong, because you pray just for selfish reasons. See, prayer isn't meant to be some tool that we use to give us the life that we want, to get us the things that we want. It's actually a tool to grow deeper in our relationship with God. The deeper we go in our relationship with God, the more we come to understand and trust in God's wisdom over our own, in God's power to be able to do anything, and in His love, which means that what He wants to do is going to be the most loving, not just for me, but for everybody around me as well. And so when we pray for our own, what, what does it say? Our selfish reasons, our motives are wrong. We're trusting in our own understanding of the world and saying, God, you need to do this. That's not a relationship. That's, that's not partnership with God. Partnership with God, a relationship with God is seeking to understand him more and more. Desiring to know his will and his purpose. Wanting to live a life that is honoring to God above all else. If that is my motive, then my prayers will have that as its foundation. But to be honest, many times we pray for things that are selfish. Like, I'm praying the 49ers beat the Rams. <laughs> I'm not sure God's going to answer that prayer. There might be more people praying for the Rams. I don't know. Thankfully, God's not, a, a, he's not democratic in the sense that he doesn't like count the prayers and go, I guess we're going to go this way. 
There are all sorts of prayers we might pray that are sometimes even looking back, we go, that was a little silly looking back in life. But even when it's from our heart, the question is, is it prayer prayed in partnership with God, seeking a relationship with Him and His will? So, as we think about that, the final question is, what is the best way to pray? Right? So, what's the best way to pray to develop my relationship with God, but also to have prayer be most effective? In fact, it's a great question. Even Jesus' disciples asked him that question. They said, Jesus, John the Baptist, he's teaching his disciples to pray. Why don't you teach us to pray? Do you remember the answer? It was the Lord's Prayer. Right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Lord's Prayer. That was what Jesus gave to his disciples to teach them how to pray. So what is the best way to pray? Well, the first thing is there are no special words. There are no special words you need to use to get God's attention. So he'll pay attention to you. There's no sort of special language to use so that God will understand you. He does understand you. And he hears any words we use. In fact, think back to, again, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. How, how often have you used the word art as a verb recently? I mean, you might use it for a painting or something else, but that's not the way we speak. Hallowed be thy name. When's the last time you put that construction together? Uh, probably not often. The point is you don't have to use these and thous when you pray. There's no special prayer language. Now, if these and thous help you connect to God, because if you're of an older generation where that was a part of your piety, it's fine to use these and thous. The point is, express your heart to God in whatever language comes from your heart. So, and today we might not say, you know, our, you know, uh, <laughs> our Father who art in heaven, we might say, Father in heaven, just pray to our Father in heaven. God, you're in heaven, and I'm lifting my voice to you. Hallowed be your name. Maybe rather than hallowed be your name, which reminds you of Halloween, which is like nothing compared to the Lord's Prayer. But we say, may your name be praised and honored and worshipped, both in my life and around the world. Right? So, even the Lord's Prayer should be translated into common language. It's from our heart. But by the way, take a look at the Lord's Prayer. Put it in, in, in modern English, and it's an awesome prayer. It covers all sorts of bases. I mean, Jesus gets my stamp of approval, right? So um, it's a great model prayer. But the point is, prayer can be anything from your heart. There's no posturing, no hiding, as if you could hide anything from God, right? No trying to manipulate God, no fear of God. Just give him what's on your heart. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. These are the verses right before we get the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. No magic formula. God already knows what you need. So why in the world are you praying if He already knows what you need? Because prayer is actually for our good. Prayer is not for God's good. <laughs> He's just fine. 
Prayers for our good. Prayers to connect us to him. Prayers to help us become partners with God where God can use us to make a difference in the world around us. We need prayer. And again, don't worry about your words. Just trust God with whatever whatever is in your heart, whatever is in your mind. And by the way, God can handle whatever you're thinking. Just read the Old Testament prophets. They told God everything. When they were angry with God, they let God know it. When they were disappointed or frustrated, they let God know. When they were happy, they let God know that too. The point is, anything in you, God can handle. There's no, there might be a lot of emotions you don't want to share with anybody else, any other person, but God already knows it. He can handle it. The truth is, you need to let it out to Him and trust Him with whatever's inside of you. Because that allows God to work in you more fully as well. So let it out. No special words. Not only no special words, but no words at all. No words. You know, sometimes you may be in a position, especially this is when you are in a really difficult position. Maybe you've just lost a loved one that's close to you. You've just heard a diagnosis or it it may be a whole host of different things that have caused upset and you're not even sure what to pray. You don't have any words. It it, it may just be... Or you may know what's going on. You just don't know what to pray for. Like when my dad was in a coma in the hospital, viral infection of his brain, pretty much brain dead. Am I supposed to pray for his healing? Or am I supposed to pray for the Lord to take him? And those are, that's a pretty big decision to make, right? Sometimes you just don't know, what am I supposed to pray here? There's this wonderful verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says this. In the same way, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, also comes to help us, weak as we are. For we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself pleads with God for us with, in groans that words cannot express. Whatever hurt or pain or frustration you may go through in your life at times. You can give it all to God. Even if you're messed up in your mind and your heart and you're not sure what to think, what to feel, God is there to sort it out for you and to pray, in a sense, on your behalf, to pray for you, no matter what the circumstance. So not only are there no special words, but there are sometimes you don't need any words. Just open your heart to God with whatever is there. By the way, even when life is going good and you're joyful, you can also open your heart to Him. It doesn't have to be just bad circumstances. Again, remember, the prayer is primarily about your relationship with God, trusting Him, His power, His wisdom, and His love. They're all working for you and through you for others through prayer. The third way to pray is don't lose faith. Don't lose faith. Now, now the truth is that in this world, not every prayer for healing will be answered the way we wish it was. Right? Because in this world, we still live in a broken world where there is evil and there is sickness. 
those things won't be gone until God returns. So Christ returns, history comes to an end, and God rids us of all disease and evil and selfishness, and life is lived in the direct presence of God and his love and his peace. But we're not there yet. We are still on the earth. And that's where there's a partnership between heaven and earth in prayer. But it's not heaven yet. So not every prayer is going to be answered the way we wish it would, as if we were in heaven. And so Jesus says, don't lose faith, even though you still live in a world where there's a whole mess going on. In fact, Luke 18, verse 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and not give up. In fact, Jesus told more than one parable on that very topic. And he taught his disciples not to give up. Scripture over and over again says, Don't give up. Keep strong in your faith. Even in the midst of things in the world going wrong because our world is broken and messed up and it's going to continue to happen. That's why we're still here, by the way. Why, why didn't God just take us all to heaven? Wouldn't that be a lot easier? Can I get an amen? Yes. Um, the reason why we're here still on earth is because God still has more partnership for us. Because the world is still full of selfishness and evil and brokenness, he says, I have you here to be partners with me in bringing healing to a broken world. Not perfect healing, but there's still so many people who don't yet know the love of their creator. There's so many people who don't yet know the forgiveness that God just desires to pour into them. They don't know the purpose for which they were created. That's why we're still here. And that's why God has given us this gift called prayer founded on our relationship with him, where we partner with him to make this world better, to bless the people around us, and to find God's blessing ourselves. Finally, effective prayer is in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name has often been misunderstood. It's not some magical formula. If you add these three words in Jesus' name to any prayer, God has to do it. Although I've heard that before and people pray. It's become this this sort of, this rote formula people tack on as if, boom. That's the magic formula. Abracadabra, in Jesus' name. Doesn't work that way. You see, in Jesus' name actually means something. It doesn't mean tack Jesus' name onto the end of a prayer. It means pray in the character of Jesus. See, the name stands for the person, especially in, in, in ancient Israel and in the time of Christ. So in Jesus' name means pray according to the character of Jesus. Pray according to the purpose of Jesus, according to his will. That's what it means to pray in his name. In fact, Jesus says in John 14, the, the, the apostle John records these words of Jesus the night before he was crucified. He was encouraging his disciples and he tells them, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Awesome. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So that, so what's the purpose of Jesus saying he'll answer our prayers that are in his name according to his character? It's so that Jesus can bring glory to God the Father in heaven. 
the purpose of Jesus' life was to bring glory to God, glory to the Father. And he did that by loving and serving us. He did that by dying on the cross as the payment for my sin and for yours. By not just shouting from heaven, hey, I love you, but expressing it on earth with human hands, God showed us the depth of his love. That brought glory to God the Father. So as we pray in Jesus' name, are we praying for things that we know are in accordance with the character of God and of Jesus Christ? Are we praying that God might be glorified in everything, no matter what it is that happens in our lives and around us? Is that the foundation for what we even ask in prayer? Is God's glory not my comfort? Right? And then finally, I'll end with this scripture. This is Jesus praying. He's in the garden. He's about to be arrested. He'll go through a few trials and finally he will be crucified on the cross. And he's, he's chosen this path, but right before this final thing happens of being arrested, he prays this prayer. He says, Abba, Father, Jesus cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Look at this prayer of Jesus. He begins by saying, Abba, Father. Abba was the Aramaic uh, Hebrew term for daddy. It's a very personal um, endearment. So not just Father in heaven, it's dad. Dad. I'm praying to my father, my dad in heaven. And even using that word reminds us just how much God loves us because what's the foundation of prayer? It is a relationship with God who loves us. And he goes on. He says, Abba, Father, Dad, everything is possible for you, right? He acknowledges God can do anything. And then he gives his request, please take this cup of suffering from me. I mean, you know, who in the world wants to go to the cross and pay the penalty for everybody else's bad mistakes? I mean, we get upset when we get accused of falsity for one mistake, right? I didn't do that. How dare you? Jesus took all of our mess onto himself. And so, of course, he's saying, Lord, if there's another way... I am all ears, right? But, he says, but ultimately, I want your will to be done and not mine. Not mine. And so Jesus is just honest. Jesus, God incarnate, fully human and fully God in this mysterious way, he just lays his heart open before God. No fear, no embarrassment of saying, you know, I know I'm I'm being a wimp here, but I don't really want to take everybody's sin upon myself. You know, he's just open to God, but ultimately he wants what God wants more than anything else. He trusts God's will more than anything else. And so because of that, he went to the cross for you and for me, that our sins would be forgiven because God came to die for us, to show us his love for us. And a part of God's partnership with us in prayer is that through prayer, We find healing in our own lives. We also stand in the gap 
for those around us. Asking for God's mercy and grace rather than judgment. And in this world, a lot of judgment could come. We deserve a lot of God's judgment and not much of his grace. But it is the prayers of God people, Scripture says, that keeps God's grace flowing. And our nation needs prayer. And I pray regularly for our president, and I have every president that has ever been alive when I've been alive. It doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree with with our leaders. They need our prayers. We need to stand in the gap on their behalf. And at your work as well. And in your home, standing in the gap on behalf of your family. And in your neighborhood. Every web of relationships you have. They need you and me to stand in the gap and partner with God to bring his healing. To bring his love and grace. You know, if you have never given your life to God, if you've never accepted the the partnership that God wants to have with you, if you've never accepted his complete forgiveness, remember, when we confess our sins and ask for his forgiveness, he always, always can be trusted to cleanse us from all of our sin and selfishness. If you've never given your life to God and accepted the death of Christ for you, I encourage you to do that today. To take that step and say, Lord, I want to partner with you. I want to know your power, your life, your forgiveness, your healing. If you want that for yourself today, I encourage you to pray with me right now. God in heaven, Father, Dad, I want to know your life. I want to know your forgiveness. Lord, just take away all my mistakes and my failures, my selfishness, my depending upon myself, my bad choices, my addictions. Forgive me. Give me the new life that you want to pour into me. Help me to become a partner with you because I realize that I am meant to be your child. So I want to accept today that reality that I am your daughter. I am your son. I pray this in Jesus' name knowing that This prayer is according to your will, your character, your desire, because you love me and the world. I pray this in Jesus' name.